Hi folks, a couple of things before we start this podcast. We are obviously covering events in Gaza, uh, Israel's Operation Dawn, uh, but this conversation is with Gareth Brown, a really good journalist based in Ramallah in the West Bank, and he puts into context one of the key kickoff points to the current conflict, and I think it was a really interesting insight into how we have arrived where we are, and also points to some of the issues in terms of the Palestinian people and what real level of autonomy they have, i.e. none, being totally dependent on Israel for electricity and indeed uh, economic uh, wages, uh, as he outlines in terms of the work visas uh, situation and how that can be used to keep a population down effectively. If you're listening to these podcasts and you want to see if there's more you can do, you can check out wearenotnumbers.org. That is an organization that long-time listeners will have heard me talk about previously, and some of the members have been on this podcast. And indeed, Enos Haman uh, will be rejoining me on the podcast this afternoon once we can establish a stable link to Gaza. Uh, I'm sorry to do this, but we really do need to ask you guys to support us as well. These podcasts, while they go out for free, they have a value and they cost, whether it's opportunity cost or the, or the ability to try and keep this show on the road, the only way we do that is by paying it forward via the Patreon model. It's really simple. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. There's a range of range of options there. Click on the one you want. Usually it's a you know it's five fifty a month. It's the price of a fancy cup of coffee, as we say, it's an expensive cup of coffee nowadays, unfortunately. Uh, but it keeps us going, and it means we don't have to have ads or sponsors. I mean, I couldn't be covering this in all clear conscience and then have the likes of some of the corporations who still operate in what they'd like to call the disputed territories. You know, all of those conflicts go away when you can maintain yourself via the Patreon model, but it doesn't really help uh, pay bills unless you guys actually help us do so. So one more time, it's patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. And I'll let you listen to the podcast that we recorded earlier this morning with Gareth Brown. Do check it out and check out his work on social media on Twitter. You'll get him at, at, at Brown Gareth and Brown with an E. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support and more to come. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves. And as we are recording before 1 p.m., uh, my co-host Martin cannot get out of bed. We know this, folks. This is what he'll, he'll tell everybody. It's because he's uh, he's unwell. But I, we just know that he doesn't generally get up until, uh, you know, live line starts in, in on, on RT Radio 1 and just to, just to have a thing. And that's all my digs out of the way for the morning. Uh, I am delighted to be joined by Ramallah-based journalist with AFP, Gareth Brown, who is, Gareth is kindly joined to... Uh, Gareth has jo- has decided to join us this morning to have a conversation in a personal capacity. I want to be very clear that it's great to talk to people who have been on the ground and seen things with a fresh pair of eyes. Gareth, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. No worries. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Listen, you... Um, You've been covering this, uh, like I've been following your tweets now for a while. I've seen some of the, this, the coverage you've put out. But can, like last year when we covered this across the, 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 this platform, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a really, really difficult period. And, in, in, you know, the, 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 the conflict went on for days and days and we saw the destruction of Gaza. We've seen since then the amount of damage that was done. We've seen the, needs for funding to to rebuild gaza we've seen that that uh, that hasn't happened and now we see a a situation where the area is on its knees but we now 
in the last, what have we now, Gareth, we're f- less than 36 hours, 40 hours into this, yeah. and we've seen the assassination effectively of two Islamic Jihad um, uh, commanders or leaders, depending which way you look at it. Can you give me your sense of how this year's, this conflict, it sounds terrible we're saying this year's, my God, I have to correct myself on that, but this, this most recent conflict is different than the last? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, this is, this is obviously, um, from the Israeli perspective, a war against Islamic Jihad. Uh, not Hamas. So Islamic Jihad is the second kind of most prominent um, armed group in in Gaza, and uh, they're very much seen as a kind of maybe a, a little sister to Hamas. Um, but it's a different conflict in the sense that um, you know whatever you think about Hamas, they are essentially the de facto government of the Gaza Strip. So so as well as being um, you know occasionally uh, firing rockets and 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 participating in this armed struggle against Israel. They actually have a, what is essentially a mini state to govern. They have ministries to run. They have people to keep happy, families to feed, hospitals to keep open. Um, the difference this time is, well, this year, the last three days, is Islamic Jihad don't, don't have that. They call themselves the vanguard of, of, of militant groups against, against Israel. So, so they are purely a, a fighting organization, if you like. So they're unencumbered by the responsibilities of government, of governance, let's say. So, so, so I think the Israelis listening to the, the, the Israelis, the IDF, they've been very specific in, in saying, you know, this is a this is a war against Islamic Jihad, and they don't want Hamas to get sucked into it, and I don't think Hamas want to get sucked into this. So, so in that sense, although you know we're we're seeing a rising casualty toll in Gaza, we're seeing hundreds of rockets being fired into Israel from Gaza. Most of them are being intercepted by the Iron Dome. It's still quite limited. Uh, Islamic Jihad have, you know, their capabilities just aren't the same as as Hamas's, and and this is contained as long as Hamas don't get sucked in, which I don't think anyone really wants at the minute. But that doesn't mean it can't happen by accident. That would be one of the biggest fears that 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 I, I'd imagine ordinary citizens on the streets of Gaza that I've spoken to as well will share this that this could be because of the death toll. The pressure on Hamas then to actually uh, join this 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 conflict um, would will will build. And I know you 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 said that uh, Islamic Jihad are not un, not encumbered by the the you know the needs of governance, which which is fair. But but many like the I think it was the the first um, commander who was murdered, uh, was assassinated. Uh, Al Jabari was 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 known as maybe closer to the political wing of that of that group as well and i i i saw actually someone someone who you've quoted had 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 reported that he was he wasn't really a big player in terms of the militant uh wing of that organization it was it was it was that and does that not does that not put pressure on islamic jihad now to uh, to actually put to to come go to hamas and say listen this is uh this is not just uh, a military this is a, this is a political or, or uh, political conflict and we see then that it's obviously playing out in the in the in the wider context of of an, yet another israeli um election yeah de- definitely i mean i mean you had these two sessions especially the one last night Khalid mansour who who was um you know killed and he was kind of buried under the rubble of the house. And I think there were several other killed, uh, several others killed in that Israeli airstrike. Um, that was, you know, the, these 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 events do add up, regardless of, of let's say Islamic Jihad's strategy or, or game plan for this for this conflict. You know, it's we know how easy it is for these 
these groups and leadership within the group to get sucked into taking the, the conflict or the operation in a, in a direction that maybe they didn't intend to initially. I think something that's interesting is we have to look back earlier this week and actually not in Gaza, but in the West Bank, where this could kind of be seen as the root of, well, at least the initial spark, let's say, that, 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 that set fire to this, this kind of now three-day-long conflict. Um, when a senior Islamic jihad uh, figure in the West Bank was arrest, arrested by the Israelis. Again, this guy was kind of more affiliated to the political wing, um, but he was arrested in a manner which was seen as quite humiliating. And there's video footage of him being attacked by a, or being bitten by an Israeli army dog. And, and, and that really kind of was seen as the thing that stoked the, the tensions that led to this conflict. So, so everything that happens, even if, even if it's... Um, Especially these kind of three incidents, the arrest of Basma Saadi, the, the killing of um, Faisal Jabari and the, the, the killing of Khalid Mansour last night, you could say that they are maybe aimed at the more political wing of, of Islamic Jihad. But, but they still, you know, they are incidents that Islamic Jihad feel they have to respond to. Mm. They can't go unannounced. And, and an issue like a conflict like this, everybody wants to have the final say, the, the last word, right? So, so the worry is that yeah, as, as we kind of said before, you know, there are some kind of more political elements within the group, but the, the worry is that they feel compelled to respond to something, uh, whether it's an assassination, a killing, this, this arrest that happened in the West Bank, and that's when uh, things spiral out of control and, 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 you know, this conflict operation doesn't go the way the IDF wanted to or, or the way that Islamic Jihad senior leadership had in mind to begin with. And we, we do see that, you know, um, uh, the IDF have issued a statement a few days ago saying that they have various, a number of targets. And, you know, so it's yet it's that kind of open ended thing that that that, you know, mm. we, if you've been following this for a while, you know, that is a, a simple way of saying it ends when we say it ends. <laughs> you know, it's not um, I've heard people, you know, say, oh. They, they've done that now, but but it simply keeps it keeps their options open, and and it, it 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 is it is worrying, I suppose, that yet again. I mean, you're you're sitting in the West Bank, and uh, if you if you forgive me, you were you made the point that the West Bank is 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 uh, better served, say, for you know electricity needs and that. And we're we're looking at a situation in Gaza where. The, the only two, the only way of getting any electricity now is currently from Israel because the main plant has been denied f- fuel for for a number of weeks, and now uh, you even see U- the UN Human Rights Watch saying that we can't operate n- uh, anything at, at the moment as well. So it's 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 a terrifying time for ordinary citizens in Gaza because water shortages are already now becoming a problem, uh, and that was on top of how difficult it was before this conflict started. Is there any sense of any sort of, you know? Um, Trying to trying to limit this damage to just I hate to say this, but just combatants because obviously that's not the case because even in that strike that you referred to that 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 took down the entire house and everybody who was there. I mean, you know, chil- children, um, wife, uh, relatives are all pulled from the rubble, and if they are not dead, they are they are severely injured. So I don't know how 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 do, how do you make how do how do we get even human rights. Uh, how do we get water going? How do we get electricity going? All of these things. Is there any any talk of that, or is this we have to wait until this conflict um, secedes? Yeah, it's a, re- it's, a re- it's, a, it's a really good point. I mean, the I mean, it, the infrastructure in Gaza just gets pounded every time there's a conflict like that, which at the minute is what every year, every eighteen months. And obviously, there are there are many many civilian casualties, regardless of how um, surgical the the Israelis say they're trying to be. So so. 
you know, that's a kind of common feature. I, I think, again, again, looking back to last year, Hamas is in a slightly different situation because uh, I don't know the exact number, but I believe there's about 20,000 permits have been issued. And these are for Gazans uh, who can go and work in Israel. And that is a huge source of income for families. You know, you, you, if you're a family in Gaza, you have one member who's going to work in Israel. The salary is probably three or four times what you would get in Gaza. So that's enough money to feed a whole family. For, you know, that, that salary could be helping five, a family of five or six people survive. And, and like Hamas know that the moment they get involved in this conflict, those permits will be cut completely. Um, so, so I think there's that idea where they've, Hamas have kind of bought into to not extending this. But of course, look, as long as the military operation goes on, there is no talk of rebuilding hospitals, getting fuel back in. I mean, the, the, the main power plant in Gaza is offline because they haven't been able to bring in fuel for, what, six days now? That's not even a, it's not even being discussed. Um, UNRWA shutting down services. So, yeah, I mean, as long as there's actually fighting, the humanitarian situation is just absolutely in, an afterthought. And that's, um, yeah. yeah, that's no, the real tragedy. I, I, I was speaking to someone uh, yesterday who said that they, they were involved with a, a, an NGO where, where the children where children were just going to sleep when rockets were firing and the children just pulled the blankets over their heads and, and f- fell fast asleep and how sad it was that this was kind of that they were that there was a, a level of acceptance of that and I just thought it was really striking to to, to know that that I, that's no no way for any child to to grow up and and um and live yeah I saw the, it. I saw, I saw a picture uh, yesterday, or well, like two pictures, which kind of, I think, really underlined the asymmetry of the conflict. And one was the sirens were going in Tel Aviv. And all mm. these beachgoers like huddled, you know, in this kind of bomb shelter and all with their shirts off and their towels over their shoulders and in their swimmers with their sunnies on. Yeah. And they were kind of like smiling. And it's like, oh, isn't this a laugh? You know, we've gone to the beach and the air raid siren has gone. And obviously nobody's been seriously hurt on the Israeli side yet. Mm. Um, and then you see the same pictures of like literally children cowering in, in stairs. They don't even have bomb shelters, right? They're just mm. people deeply fearful cowering in, in, in houses in the bottom of high rises in, in, in stairwells. And, and that really underlines just, just, this is not, this is not a symmetric yeah, no, it, it, I think it's really, it's really, it's really striking because all, all the people I know who I've, who I've come to know over the last number of years, they're kind of fed up having that suitcase by the front door. They're fed mm. up having that, you know, that, that, um, what we, what we'd call the bug out plan, you know, uh, all of those things. And, uh, it, it's kind of, it, and it, it must be paying, it paying a huge emotional toll on people to, you know, like we haven't even begun to unpick the types of PTSD and mental health issues that come from living in this, in the stress filled conflict zone for so bloody long. Like it's, it's effectively 14 years of this, uh, in, in, in waves. Um, can I can I come back to you though, and just back to the how in the West Bank itself has there been any talk of you know uh, joint Islamic Jihad actually creating you know coming on board to 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 join this because that's always a problem as well because we've seen what happened in East Jerusalem how that impacted what happened in, in Gaza and then you see something then all of a sudden a rocket fires from from the West Bank and then it becomes. A, a wider conflagration is there has there been any sense of that actually or any risk of that at, currently i think i think that's something that the israelis are, are, are really that's something that really worries the israelis so last night there was 20 the israeli army were doing raids in the west bank and they arrested 20 islamic jihad operatives now i don't exactly know what operative means 
could be fighters. It could just be some 19-year-old kid with an amateur head headband. And the night before that, they rested uh, 19. So that's 39. Um, I mean, look, you, the, the West Bank in the last five, six months is becoming in, increase, increasingly restive, especially in the north, right? Janine, Janine camp. And that is where Islamic Jihad have a, have a presence. Um, and, you know, there's lots of guns. This, this place is really armed to the teeth. Uh, the rule is tend to be Israeli assault rifles as well that the that the armed factions are using in in in, in the West Bank. Whether that can graduate onto some sort of like let's say participation in this conflict, I mean, I I don't see it happening yet. But I think I I think that is something that really concerns the the Israeli military because it's one thing you know they've they've got kind of Gaza hemmed in and the Iron Dome is very very effective, but but we're only about 10 miles, 15 miles from Jerusalem here in Ramallah, you know, and uh, Janine is not far from Tel Aviv. So, so if they were to have this kind of unrest in the West Bank, which probably take a very different shape, it wouldn't be, you know, firing rockets, but it'd probably be, you'd expect it would be more of a kind of traditional armed, armed struggle or, or guerrilla attacks, even terror mm. attacks within, within Israel itself. You know, that would really change things. And, and, and it's hard, you know, you, th- you think that the Israelis would really struggle to kind of defend on, on, on two fronts. Um, yeah. But for sure, they're, they're concerned about, I mean, in the West Bank, Islamic Jihad have really been working hard. They've been spreading. They've been, you know, their networks have been growing over the, over the last few months. And I think that's why the Israelis went after and arrested Basim Asadi. Isn't it? Isn't it unbelievable when you see the life cycle of these organizational groups? Where you think about, you know, Hamas were considered the, the, you know, the PLO were too moderate, so Hamas had to be more, you know, had to be more radical, and and then, you know, and as they've as they've come down, the others come in now to be the more radical element, and it's just it. When yeah, I mean, fucking... it's it, it. This is something that I find really interesting in, in my reporting. I spend a lot of time in Janine. And... And for me, actually, the, the ideology is skin deep. You know, these kids, and they're normally young kids, they choose a, okay, the, the senior guys are quite ideological. And they're like, this is the, they, can, they can explain to you the difference between Hamas and Islamic Jihad and, and Fatah. But when it comes to, um, like, the kids, the foot soldiers, they, they don't have a clue. It's like, it's, it's, it's skin deep which guy they're choosing. I mean, they're just, many times, they're obviously, like, the West Bank is under military occupation. So... They're, they're, to a degree, they're, they're, they're kind of um, responding to that. So, I mean, my, my thinking is, in the north of the West Bank especially, the places that are really rest, restive, the, the, the violence, the armed resistance is kind of post-factional. It's, you know, and, and whether it's Islamic Jihad or, or, or Hamas, um, you know, that is, it's kind of a, it's, it's a label. But, but, but the, the networks, which I mentioned before, are, are definitely being, being set up. But they're not... They're not um, you know, they're not exclusively one group. There's not this kind of great rivalry. It's this kind of armed resistance the factions. They have a very different character in the West Bank to what we see in Gaza at the minute. Yeah, I just I like I suppose the the, the last thing I'll I'll um, I'll ask you, and it's again, I want to be very clear, Garrett speaking in a, in a personal capacity, not not the views of his employer, but it, have you found? Because I I know many of the people I've spoken to. Uh, particularly in 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 Gaza, I have to be I'll be quite frank about it. 
find, you know, are, are getting more and more frustrated about saying, well, look, look at our situation and look at the reaction from the Western media and the Western world compared to, say, for example, the conflict in, in Ukraine. They, they, it's not gone unnoticed and it's getting it's getting more and more like there is a hypocrisy there, I believe. That's that's what, but have you seen have you heard that from people within the West Bank and people that who you've spoken to about, you know, the differences there? Definitely, that's something you hear every day from Palestinians. They're really frustrated with how the world uh, rallied to Ukraine's cause, rightly so, in, in my opinion. Uh, and and they say it's a glaring double standard, and it's, it's hard to argue with that, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, you can and, you can say that's. It's, I mean, that's not just governments, but that's people. That's even the media. Perhaps we use different language. We should use different words. But for, for sure, there's a. Palestinian perception that the, the the Western world is hypocritical when it comes to you know kind of comparing these two situations for sure. And 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 I agree with you by the way. I want to be very clear that you know we have to rally to support. You know, it, like it was it was like Russia was the aggressor. They they invaded Ukraine. We we're not saying that's not. We but we are. But I do think it is. It does got like we see it domestically here. We see it whereby. People arrive in seeking refuge from certain countries, and you know are denied the right to work. Whereas if they if you arrive in from the Ukraine, you're immediately granted all of these things. So there are double standards within within the bureaucracies of this as well, and indeed like that. So we we I just I just was wondering because I'd heard a lot of frustration starting to to boil up, and I know myself personally, I felt covering this most recent conflict that the appetite from other media outlets hasn't been as good in terms of people come you know i i was used to doing the like having these conversations and and then people from other areas saying actually by the way can you put me in touch with gareth he he seems like you know and and that didn't happen in the last 36 hours and i went wow maybe maybe there is a bit of war fatigue as well maybe that's maybe that's true as well that there's people are kind of there but nonetheless this conflict matters and you know the death toll now i think what are we stands now at 24 i think uh, yeah, yeah, we're, 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 I think we're, I think it might be 29 now. That's oh. about an hour or two ago. But, you know, I, I, I completely take your point, but actually something that, an observation that I've had over the last couple of months, especially since the killing of Shireen Abu Akhle and the, the violence that happened at her funeral, is that actually people do still care about what's going on here. Mm. That, especially Shireen, Shireen's funeral, really, it had this level of cut through where I had, I had, you know, pals back in the UK who were going, you know, who are not interested in politics or the Middle East yep. at all. And they were going, geez, I've just seen these videos. What's going on here? I've just seen the police attacking the, the pole bearers. Mm. Um, and, and even now, like, I mean, I, I still think people are really concerned and, 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 and they do care about what is happening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll be here. And the other people you've spoken to will be here doing our job reporting things. Uh, yeah whether they're interested or not but i i think there's still there is still an empathy for, for, for uh, uh, maybe gareth you got me on a bad morning so i'm glad no, you, no, i'm, no, glad, I I'm glad, like I'm glad no no i'm like glad that. i'm glad you put that there because it's true it's worth it's worth continuing to have that put that out there and and have those we have to tell these stories we have to get voices out there and we have to do this so so listen i will say again another another call to listeners as i say at the end i mean if you heard uh, sam adwan yesterday he spoke about you know making sure that you 
I, you don't have to necessarily, you know, support doesn't come of maybe financially. It can come by amplifying voices, telling stories, sharing these things and getting people raising awareness of what is actually happening. Because unfortunately, there is. And Gareth, you'll, be, you'll know this. There's a huge propaganda war that happens when any of these things happen. You know how things are framed. Listen, folks, we will leave it there. I, I do want people to continue to to share the stories, get involved, raise raise voices. And one of the ways you can do that, you can actually look, follow Gareth on Twitter. It's uh, Brown with an E, Gareth, uh, at Brown Gareth on Twitter. You'll find him there. He has been covering these events for, for more, than, more than the last few days, I can tell you, folks. But it's always good to... to to keep these conversations going. Gareth, thanks for taking the time to talk to me this morning. I know you've another briefing to get to, so I will I will let you I'll let you get on with it. And please stay in touch. Uh I really yeah. appreciate it. It's been it's been lovely to talk to you. Lovely to meet you. And um best of luck with uh, what is a very difficult and very challenging situation. I really appreciate it. Thanks so thanks yeah. so much. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Talk to you soon folks. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.